The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, we're heading to Wexford for my first guest this morning and one half of a creative team based in County Wexford, but not from County Wexford. Irana Prochenko and Lana Grishina left Ukraine last year and have based themselves in Wexford. Irana joins me this morning to tell me more about your Imago photography studio and their life before they settled in Ireland. You're very welcome to the Sunday Ground. Irana, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Good stuff. You and Alana have started a photography studio in Wexford, but you both had very different creative jobs when you were living in the Ukraine where you're from. Tell me a little bit about what you were both doing there. Um, we both studied at the Ukrainian fashion uh, school uh, and uh, we were we both were as uh, a fashion uh, clothes designers. Okay. Uh, we we both had a clothes brand. Uh, I had a yoga clothes brand brand uh, and Alona had a brand of uh, street style clothes. And did you know each other before you came to Ireland? Uh, yes, sure. Yeah, we started in one our uh, class in our fashion school. Ah, so you went to college together? Yes, yes. Okay. And how was business going in the Ukraine, living there? Were you, you were building up a good business, were you? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, about five years ago, uh, I finished uh, uh, I finished one of year of fashion design school and uh, my diploma work was to create the first uh, uh, fashion collection of clothes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was inspired with yoga. I studied at Yoga Federation and uh, I wanted uh, to find some beautiful clothes for my yoga classes. And uh, I decided to create it yourself (laughs) because I didn't find something what I really like. So, uh, uh, my diploma work was the first collection. Okay. Uh, it was very elegant, uh, beautiful, bright, uh, special clothes for women. Yeah, I, I, I really love it. So, you're yeah. doing something completely different now. And we'll, we'll move on to that in a minute. But when did you arrive in Ireland and who did you arrive in Ireland with? Uh, I arrived in uh, Ireland uh, six months ago. Okay. On March. Uh, I had uh, a friend uh, in Ireland. Uh, before the war, I moved to Bulgaria two days before okay. the war because we worried about situation. Yeah. And when I was in Bulgaria, uh, my friend called me and said what Ireland are open uh, to invite Ukrainians and uh, Irish people ready to help Ukrainians a lot. And uh, uh, he uh, organized the article uh, in newspaper and uh, they they wrote my story uh, and uh, uh, he tried to help me to find accommodation in this okay. way. Okay. So so a lot of people uh, proposed the accommodation and uh, uh, we chose one option and uh, uh, we also had a lot of another options right. and my friend uh, 
proposed me to help my friends. Okay. Uh, yes. So uh, together we helped a lot of Ukrainian families right. come here. So are you living yeah. in Wexford town now? And are you living with a family or in a hotel? Where are you living? I live in Baligari. Okay. In Baligari. Uh, and uh, one of that friends uh, was Alona. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Alona lives in Balimani. Okay. So um, th- there's a few creatives from the Ukraine living in County Wexford now. Is that right? Yes, yes. One more, our friend, fashion designer, also live in Balikanyu. Uh, and how so are you finding have... Wexford? Do you like it? Yes, yes, we like, we like a lot. Good stuff. Uh, we like. And did you yes. come over on your own or did you come over with family? I, I, uh, I arrived with my kids. Okay. And your own parents, where are they right now? Oh, my parents now in a small town in Kharkiv district in Ukraine. Okay, so they're still Uh, in the Ukraine. Yes, they're still in Ukraine. They were occupied during six months Mm -hmm. and I, I had no communication with them. Oh, wow. And last week, last week, we started to communicate again. Oh, brilliant. And how are they doing? (laughs) Uh, We're fine. Yeah. Fine. They, yeah. They still have no electricity, have oh. no water. Yeah, but uh, now things become better. Okay, good. Uh, normal and life start to come back there. Okay, fingers crossed. And I hear this story a lot of older people seeming to stay in Ukraine. Is that a thing that older people they seem to have decided to stay? Um, I guess in my country, uh, all the people very connected to their houses and to their land. For them, it's like the part of them, and it's very difficult to live for them. Okay. Wow, it must be very uh, tough for you knowing there was a war in your country and that your parents were there. Yes, sure. Mm. Yes, sure. I worry a lot, a lot about them. Okay. So let's talk about your photography business. Um, which you've started in in Wexford. What, why did you decide to start the business? Um, uh, I was engaged in photography before, and before my yoga clothes brand, and uh, uh, and uh, I wanted to talk about Alona also. She also had a brand okay. and uh, she's also designer and uh, she's good in stylistics. Okay, great. And uh, yes, and we both uh, <laughs> decided to create creative team. Uh, Alona helped help with ideas. She organized uh, the view of shooting um, uh with great ideas great and i work as photographer okay uh, yes and we both like uh to bring the beauty in this world uh-huh. uh and uh and we think what uh it's nice to help people to see uh their inner beauty Yes. And you've already styled and photographed some fashion shoots um already here in the southeast, haven't you? Yes, 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 we did and we were very happy to do this. Brilliant. It's like 
a fresh breath for us after everything we had in our life. It's like we start to feel alive again. It really makes us happy. That's brilliant to hear. And is your intention to go home to Ukraine, Irana? Um, as for now, um, I think uh, I love Ireland and Alona also. Uh, we love uh, people. We love Irish people. Uh, we love uh, Irish nature. Very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, as for now, we would like to stay here. Okay. So you feel at home here, do you? Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I feel very calm harmony here. And it sounds like you have a good community of people from Ireland and people who have come over from Ukraine as well. So you're making a good community. Yes. Yes. And that's so important, isn't it? Yes, it's very important. Mm-hmm. So your photography studio is called Imago and people can check you out on Instagram. You do lots of different things. You do a, lo- a lot of photography of people as well. So if people are interested in maybe getting their family photographed, you do stuff like that as well, don't you, in your studio? Yes, sure. It's I guess it's the uh, main. Uh, it's the main direction. Uh-huh. Uh, we love. Uh, we love to take picture of kids or families. Uh, That's great. Well, yeah, if- and also also we love fashion direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took picture for our friend uh, here. Uh, she is also fashion designer. She create uh, beautiful knitted dresses, oh, handmade. Yes, and we we made a nice shooting for her also here. Great. Well, if you want to check out what Irana and Alona are doing, they are Imago Photography Studio on Instagram. That's I-M-A-G-O. And uh, that is Irana Prachenko. Irana, thank you so much for joining me and chatting to me this morning. Thank you so much also. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's a Sunday morning in October and you're listening to The Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103. And October is ADHD Awareness Month and Claire Toomey is a professional advanced ADHD coach with her own experience of ADHD. And as part of the Awareness Month, Claire has a whole range of activities and events planned to highlight and celebrate ADHD. And she joins me this morning to tell us more. You're very welcome. Orla, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. It's lovely to talk to you. And I'm very interesting to talk to you because I think there's been a lot of conversations recently about people Mm. being diagnosed with autism, for example, at a later age. But you were diagnosed with ADHD in your late 20s. Yes, that's right. Um, And it's funny because when I went for the assessment process, you know, all of the signs had been there, right? Okay. So part of the, the diagnostic um, uh, process is, you know, they'll ask you, have you got uh, reports from your school days? And um, so when I was reading these back myself, you know, every teacher commented on how I was daydreaming mm. um, spent a lot of time talking, needed to apply myself more, you know, grades does not reflect ability, um, distracted easily, right? So, you okay. know, it was... So these weren't specialised the, reports. These were just your school reports. There was never a yes. mention of maybe you having ADHD. No. Okay, okay. 
No, absolutely not. Because when I went to school, Orla, it was understood to be something that presented in boys and that Mm -hmm. it was really hyperactive and that it was attached to challenging behavior. You know, the term kind of bold. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was it it wasn't understood for it to be um, something that girls or women could experience. Okay, so bring us then to your late 20s. Why were you looking Mm -hmm. for a diagnosis? So when I went to college, college had been extremely challenging for me um, for many different reasons. Uh, I experienced some trauma and also the dynamic is so different from school, right? You're, you know, you, you go through your whole education experience up until 18 where the teachers are guiding you and directing you and there's this curriculum and a schedule made out for you. And then you land into university and it's self-led and if you don't go, no one cares and it's it's really, really overwhelming. So I, you know, fell between the cracks, experienced um, mental health challenges, and it meant that I had dropped out. Okay. So um, I went back, obviously, and got my degree in the end, but I had done some therapy. I had done some counselling and things like that and um, did a lot of work on myself and things have been going really well and was progressing in my career. But I still noticed, you know, the kind of emotional dysregulation and the overwhelm and um I just kind of was talking to my mom one day and I was like, yeah, like I've done all this work, but I'm still not sure about what this is. And I think Orla actually like all the work that I had done had created so much more awareness and understanding of myself for myself. Right. So I knew myself better. And my mom was like, Claire, when you were in school, I always queried ADHD. But everyone told me I was being ridiculous. And I was like, what? So I went and did some research about it and, you know, kind of was like, yep do that yep that applies nope maybe not that one and I was really really interested so went to speak to a psychiatrist he referred me for an assessment and I spent a whole day in St. Patrick's Mental Health Hospital at the time they had an ADHD clinic so that's where I went and you know halfway through the day I was like yep I know what you're going to tell me at the end of the day it just became so apparent and it was like a light bulb right um because now things made sense, right? Now I knew how my brain worked and what I could do about it. And I was quite, like, it was emotional, right? Like, there's Mm. grief attached to it because you've spent so many years struggling and trying too hard and not meeting other people's expectations or things not unfolding the way that I had expected them to. So there's grief and sadness for that. But there was this huge relief because it was like, right, well, now I know what it is. Now I can go and do something about it. So what were the sort of things that were pinpointed to you that you said, yep, that's me, that's me? So one of the things I talk about a lot with current clients is um, there was like cognitive tests, right? So I was at a laptop and I was carrying out things about sequencing and um, um, mathematics and stuff like that. And it was the maths piece, right? And it was the frustration that I experienced in trying to complete these tasks with a timed um, expectation. I felt the pressure and it just made sense. And things came flooding back to me from how I would have experienced that in school. OK, and maths was a challenge for me, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> throughout the whole entire my whole entire education. And I actually in primary school was taken out for extra help in like resource classes. Right. And in the resource classes had absolutely no problem in maths. And they were like, this girl's grand, put her back in the classroom and went back into the classroom. And the same thing happened again. So it's not that it's not that I can't do maths or that ADHD years can't do maths. It's that we might not be able to do three sums in 15 minutes or we might not be able to work through the steps the same way that a neurotypical might be. So we might do the work differently. 
you know. Right. OK. And then you say you knew what you could do for yourself once you got a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. What what could you do then once you had that diagnosis? Was it about so medication or yeah. what's it about? OK. So the first path is a medica- medication path. So mm-hmm. I had explored that because I had been um, on antidepressants and anti-anxiety tablets over the years. So this, you know, I was quite open to trying this. But also, um, um, and this is how I got into coaching, I met with a coach, right? So um, the team, the hub that were um, supporting me through the diagnostic process, they were like, there's this coach called Heather Blackmore. She works with ADHD. She has ADHD herself. And I was like, yeah, let's let's give this a go. And, um, you know, sitting in front of her, I worked with her for two years. I learned what ADHD is, right? I learned how it works. I learned what parts of me are ADHD and are not. And I learned, I developed and created strategies on how I would carry out an assignment or how I would process my emotions or how I would problem solve or or what I needed to give me to make sure that I had enough dopamine levels and enough energy throughout the whole entire day so that I could live and survive in a neurotypical world. Like I'm, I'm always talking to my clients that it's not that you know, autism or ADHD is, is is the problem or is something that has to hold you back. Like everyone, everyone's needs and levels are different. But in schools, you know, we're expected or in workplaces too, right? We're expected to sit still for X amount of time during the day. And ADHDers, you know, can be really successful and can make their way through the workday, but they need to do it differently, right? So and that's they might really interesting need... because it's like what you said about like kids, like you know, being called bold, where they might need yeah. a diagnosis. But how does that manifest itself as an adult? Because we're not called bold as adults. So if you're in an no. office <laughs> setting, what is that? Are you disruptive? Yeah. Or you, you know, how, how does that manifest itself? So adults tend to find with ADHD can find workplaces quite distracting, especially okay. if they're in open plan offices. Right. Um, so if there's a lot of noise or a lot of movement, um, it can distract them from the task or the, the pieces of work they're trying to focus on. Um, the opposite of that is true also. Right. Them being left in an office on their own with no interaction with anybody else. So like the pandemic has obviously brought up a lot of challenges mm-hmm. for for um, for ADHDers because the working from home is not providing any kind of structure or support. Right. Um, but also um, so there can be a delay and uh, a difficulty with with, you know, holding our attention onto tasks, but also because we've you know, had a a past, a history of failed uh, achievements and not meeting expectations. There's this li- there's limiting beliefs and this negative story we're telling about ourselves and the the constant need to get it right and to please people and to to be able to do it. So that can often paralyze us and prevent us from starting on tasks for fear that we won't get it completed or that it's going to be difficult because we're going to have attention challenges. Wow. I'm sure you're speaking lots of people's language this morning, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they need a diagnosis. So Mm-mm. what can people do? It's actually quite difficult to get a diagnosis at the moment because there's an influx of awareness and understanding of ADHD, like what you were saying about autism earlier. And people are you know, sitting on two year waiting lists for some services. Um, but I meet with people who will who who've decided that they're never going to get a diagnosis. They're just going to learn about 
um, how their brain works and what they can do about it, right? So um, ADHD Ireland uh, are a fantastic organisation. They offer talks and support groups. You know, that's your first port of call. Go in and make and make sure that you have a space where you can talk and be seen, right? So one of the important things that I talk about my clients is about identity and belonging. So in the support group space, you're you're sat in a circle of like 50 other people who are going through the exact same thing as you are. And that's hugely effective. And then the other thing I talk about is whether it's CBT or coaching um, or like one of the things I've started getting into recently now is workshops, right? So putting yourself into spaces of learning what it is and then learning about what it is that you need, right? So it's about implementing strategies and processes that work according to your brain, not a neurotypical brain. So like I run a group of um, for leaving cert kids right a coaching group and they're talking to me all the time about trying to study after they come home from school and they're spending three hours forcing their brain trying to take in this information and it's not working so I will talk to them about well how their dopamine levels have been depleted from sitting in the classroom for x amount of hours potentially on a lot of subjects that they don't have you know interest in or passionate about and they need a break they need a dopamine injection before they come home and then address their study so it's all about changing the routine and mm-hmm. the way we expect it should look like okay. and doing it differently okay interesting and um, your website if people want to check it out is internalconnections.ie I'm, I'm interested in what you said about you want to highlight and celebrate ADHD mm. in the month of October which is ADHD awareness month what are you celebrating um, people's existence mm. and the strengths that they have, right? There's there's so much stigma and shame attached to being labeled or to not being the same as everybody else. And it makes people hide, Orla, and people tend to mask, right? They're not being authentically themselves for fear of how other people will perceive it. And in this month, I want people to to be seen, to be heard. Um, and, and we're doing that through the ADHD Voices blog we have, where we'll be showcasing a new member of the community every day and, and they'll be telling their story. Um, and But also highlight that ADHDers have strengths. Like there are specific jobs that ADHDers are really highly qualified for. The types of skills that we have in terms of creativity and thinking outside the box and problem solving and being on high alert in crisis situations. And we're hugely empathetic people. We can use our intuition and, and connect with people and get great understanding of what other people are going through. And it's it's there's just so much strengths that aren't highlighted and, and, and people often see it as a disadvantage. And we want to change that narrative so that people can feel proud about who they are. Good stuff. Well, it is the month to do that because it's ADHD Awareness Month. Claire Toomey is part of internalconnections.ie. You can check her out on Instagram as well if you just search for internal connections and you have so much going on in October and you have a whole schedule um, on your website as well if people want to check that out. Really interesting to chat to you this morning, Claire. Thanks a million for joining me on the Sunday Grill. Thanks so much, Orla. Take care. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. My next guest this morning is a filmmaker whose award-winning documentary film opens Cork's 10th Indie Cork Festival tonight before going on general release on Friday. Sasha King is the director of Vicky and she joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning. And before we talk to Sasha, let's have a listen to just 30 seconds or so of Vicky. You'll know who it is about straight away. This is my medical file. This is when I got all the information back from 
copies from my solicitor. The original result was no abnormality detected. And then when they reviewed it on the audit, it says squamous cell carcinoma. Squamous cell carcinoma is cancer. I was just so shocked, to be honest. And I said, well, how bad? How bad is this? Is this still something that I can survive? And she said, no. For me, it was that day that I decided I'm taking back control of this. And some gorgeous music in the documentary, Vicky, as well. Um, as I said, filmmaker Sasha King is joining me this morning. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. So today is the big day heading to Cork this Sunday to, to go to the premiere. Uh, yes, we're so excited to uh, be in Cork for the opening uh, film of the uh, Indie Cork Film Festival. So, yeah, we're really honoured. Are you able to watch your own work, Sasha? Are you one of those people who sits there going, you know? Uh, such a good question because, <laughs> no, you're totally, I, I, I actually find it really difficult. Yeah. Um, because it's it just takes it's such a process. It takes so long, mm-hmm. and there's so many moving parts until it's actually locked. And uh, you know, and also it's it's a harrowing story. So yes, um, it's it's tricky to watch. It's yeah. tricky to watch for me as the filmmaker because of the of knowing everything that went into mm-hmm. um, you know, pulling it together. Harrowing, but really, like, there's something just so heartwarming about Vicky feeling, you know, as a person, if you take everything away that she's gone through, just as a as a person, she's she's just very warm and fun. I think I've met her a couple of times from interviewing her and she really has an element of fun about her as well, doesn't she? Oh, gosh, one million percent. Mm. I mean, she is just like she's probably the best a collaborator I will ever work with um you know she has a great sense of humor she um is so positive she's so inspiring and you're right like the film is an inspiring story Mm -hmm. um and that and she exudes that energy Mm -hmm. and positivity and uh you know when I met Vicky for the first time uh, in Dublin uh when we we um met to talk about the the uh the 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 possibility of mm. moving together um on this project that's what i got from her i walked away excited inspired you know um completely um just i just i just love her um, i think we all do mm-hmm. we're really drawn to her energy i mean never mind you know everything else that she's done for us um uh, with her choices and decisions over the last few years. Um, she's just a wonderful person. Yeah, and it, it's just amazing to, to hear her story in the documentary because even when I was watching <clears throat> it, when she talks about starting to research and where she could go next, yeah. I'm kind of thinking, I, I don't know. I don't know how she even started that process, but she's just got yeah. such strength. When do you remember first hearing the name Vicky Phelan? Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. Okay. I mean, I was... I was one of um, probably, you know, every, anyone who saw the six o'clock news on that day in April in 2011, uh, 2018, when she um, came out of the high court. You know, I was one of those people watching the news as well. And when I saw and heard what Vicky was saying, I was completely floored. I mean, I could not move from my mm-hmm. standing. Um, I could not believe that this was this, you know, incredible Irish you know woman going through what she had uh, gone through and I wanted to reach out to her immediately I mean I just felt um, an overwhelming kind of need to connect with her and to apologize to her on behalf of 
the country mm-hmm. and um you know just connect with her basically and and that's what I did um so when but did yes, you I remember it with her then Oh, very shortly after that. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, and then we met in Dublin, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I, I just mentioned there, but we met in Dublin, and we I had pitched this the concept of my portrayal of her and what was happening, and uh, to her, and she she loved it. You know, the events were unfolding very mm. quickly. Um, we, you know, Vicky is the whistleblower of the story. And mm-hmm. then suddenly, because she didn't sign the non-disclosure agreement, you know, we were uh, we were all uh, informed as to what was going on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the numbers of women um, affect women and families affected with th- that. Those numbers were increasing on a weekly basis. Um, and I, as a filmmaker, I thought it was just uh really important to get filming as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and to document Vicky be- behind the media frenzy as well um, in her downtime. You know, what what makes this incredible Irish woman tick, mm-hmm. you know, behind closed doors and see her with her, her family and that kind of thing as well, you know. So this has been years in the making, am I right in saying, like plural years? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I started filming with her in 2018 okay. and 2019 and then a little bit into 2020, of course, and then COVID hit. Um, but and then Vicky went to the States then mm-hmm. after uh, for her, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. she was uh, investigating another trial in America and going through that process over there. But um she still sent videos, um, updates uh, mm-hmm. on her phone to me. So, you know, she's just an, an incredible collaborator. She really is. She Once she and I decided we were going to do this together, that was it. You know, Vicky puts her mind to something and then like, mm. it's, it's, you know, she's just all, uh, you know, all, all kind of very, very um, productive person that way, just all guns blazing straight, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. straight you into it. So. Yeah. so, of course, Vicky uh, lives in Limerick, but she is from County Kilkenny and she's a real affinity to Kilkenny. Did you get to head to Mooncoin during your time filming? Oh, I absolutely did. And I loved it. Uh, we had the pleasure of uh, being invited to Vicky's parents' house, John and Gabby, and her Auntie Anne's oh, house fun. as well. <laughs> um, and we also visited her old school in Mooncoin as well. So, uh, yeah, we just we absolutely loved it there. And everybody was so kind and welcoming. Yeah, beautiful part of the world. And it's a yeah. really intimate documentary in lots of ways. You, you really feel like you're having a one on one conversation with Vicky, but it's also an intimate documentary for you and a bit of a family affair as well. Your husband and even your children are involved in it. Tell us more about that. Yeah, um, well, Bill uh, Snodgrass is my husband and my producing partner. Mm-hmm. So him and I um, made the film, really. Uh, and he his background is music and he's written soundtracks before, but he wrote the soundtrack for the film. Um, but there's a, a title track that... Uh, yeah, so we I had this idea for an anthem for and from Vicky mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that we needed um, as the main piece of um, the main track, basically, in the film. So I, I kept telling Bill, you know, this is these are the ideas that I have. And he wrote that uh, uh, song called This Fight. And um, at the end of the film, uh, Vicky says this fight was for you. You know, mm-hmm. she's talking to Manona Heron mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and our sons uh, sang it. Now, Tyg, Tyg is uh, 
Tiger's been doing singing for 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 many years mm. now. He's an incredible singer, but but Tristan also joined in and 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 uh, on this track. So yeah, it's really special. But I mean, besides that, it's a very special track, just generally, mm-hmm. and it's over. It's played over a very poignant, reflective, mm-hmm. um, scene. You know, towards the the very end of the film. You know. And are there any standout moments for you personally from the documentary that that stay with you? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much. I mean, mm. it's a roller coaster. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's how do how do I pick one or I two? Know, but I, I mean, Vicky Vicky in her kitchen uh, signing the HPV uh, consent form uh-huh. uh, for her daughter Amelia. Uh, that was a very emotional day. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that that's a standout day for me because Vicky was just so happy to be able to do it, that she was still around to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was a really poignant um, and throughout filming uh, women involved in the debacle passed away. Mm. So, you know, we we lost uh, Emma Vic Fahuna. We lost Ruth Morrissey. We lost Julia O'Reilly. So, you know, this is this is a a really really important film, I think, because uh, it's documenting that period of time, that history, uh, that time in history, um, and just clearly laying out what happened, mm-hmm. as well as you know seeing Vicky, uh, the whistleblower, um, and the other the other uh, contributors as well, Lorraine Walsh and Stephen Teep. Their stories are very important. Mm-hmm. Well, it is such an important documentary, as you said, and it's also gorgeous. It's just lovely. Um, I've seen it, but I'm really looking forward to seeing it on the big screen. It's at Cork tonight, but it's on general release from Friday, October the 7th. So I hope you get lots of cinemas showing it, because as you said, it's such an important thing to see. And that is the documentary. Vicky, the filmmaker, is Sasha King. And Sasha, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you very much. And can I just say before I end that um, it was made with the support of Screen Ireland. And that's very important to say they they support uh, great, great work in our country. So Brilliant. thank you. Great, uh, thank Sasha. You. Thanks so much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, there's been so much talk about this week's film and it's never been about the film itself, really. No. Yeah. And what it's about. I've seen the trailer. I'm pretty confused. Yeah, it's... I've seen it and I'm pretty confused so we're we're in the same boat it's okay Yeah we are talking about Don't Worry Darling I think this trailer was dropped maybe about 10 months ago they really know how to up the ante when it comes to making people want to go and see this but in the meantime there's been all the you know the spitting viral video the cast issues like Gemma Chan is in it and there's been nothing about her. Yeah. So much so that I've forgotten that she's in it and she's a brilliant actress Oh Gemma Chan is fantastic Yeah. like ever since um Oh my god, the wedding film from 2016, uh, uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians. She's yeah. just been like fantastic yeah. in everything she's been Brilliant. in. She's actually been really great in. So. Yeah, but because she's in none of this mania, we don't really hear mention of her. But do you know do. what? Maybe that's a good thing. No, I think it is. <laughs> I think it's good for her. Uh, we are, of course, talking about Don't Worry Darling, Harry Styles, Florence Pew, Pew, Chris Pines, <laughs> Gemma Chan, and of course, Olivia Wilde in there as well. She's in this, but she's also the filmmaker. And she has made one of your favourite films, Booksmart. Yes, I yeah. love Booksmart. So she's a really good filmmaker. I'm very disappointed for her that it's all about her relationship with Harry and spitting and people falling out. You yeah, know? but it is. It's funny because it's also a film about people. One person <laughs> being adamant about what what's going on is is not real and it's it's all a lie. And then 
So it's the real life version of it. It's all craziness, like nobody's believing okay. Florence Pugh. And, yeah. Very confusing. Let's have a Crazy listen times. to a clip from Don't Worry Darling. We men, we ask a lot. We ask for strength, <laughs> food at home, a house clean, and discretion above all else. Boys and their toys, at least we know they're getting work done. Welcome to the Victory Project. We're all here because we believe in the mission. What are we doing? Changing, Changing the, the world. world. What are we doing? Changing, Changing the, the world. world. That's right. What do you think they're really doing out there? What do you mean? The one thing they ask of us is to stay here. Where it's safe. There you go. That is a clip from Don't Worry Darling. I'm telling you, if a man asked me a few things just to keep the house clean, etc., I would say, don't worry, darling, I'm out of here. <laughs> but if it was Harry Styles, darling. I would still say, clean your own stuff, mister. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right. So, OK. Is this a book or are we, you know, have we read this or is it? I, th- I think it is actually a screenplay. Yeah, well. It's a really weird one. It, it's 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 weird because okay it's set in the 1950s like as you can yeah. kind of tell by this like everyone has probably seen the trailer it's like a 1950s like Florence Pugh is a housewife in the 1950s okay and she's living with her husband who is Harry Styles and they're American are they they're all American okay. yeah okay and it's like this this beautiful like 1950s glory village you know like America it's like the proper like utopia kind of a yes. place and it looks like that I mean, like, like it looks like a 1950s technicolor yeah. look to it yeah. and it's it's it, it's an interesting thing because like it's these all like basically all the husbands work in this place special place called Victory and right. it's like this secret thing and they don't know what goes on there at all okay and it's it's basically the unraveling of her kind of figuring out what's going on around her and okay. she they're not allowed to leave certain boundaries and she does and it's just kind of the it's the fallout of that, but then it's like she finds out the secrets of what's real and what's true, and it's 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 kind of like a bad mirror episode. Okay, so uh, apart from when she leaves Victory, are we always in that place? Do we ever see where the where the men go? Yes, like we do later on, but okay. it's it's kind of the big twist, so I don't want to be saying it. No, so, is there anything you can tell us? Really, it's like. There's a lot of story going on that doesn't need to be going on. Like, it's two hours and three minutes, and we're... Oh, yeah, I'm so, done already. Yeah, so it's one of those things that I feel like it definitely doesn't need to. Yeah. And, um, like, it's... I honestly feel like the drama going around it was more entertaining. But that's really unfortunate. It is, because there's so many talented people in it, and I love... And I have seen a lot of questions on social media. If this much drama went around for a male filmmaker's movie would it create so many headlines and go as viral I think there is a question to be made on the fact that Olivia Wilde is a woman and her relationship with I know he's a megastar but but I I don't even think that it's her relationship like realistically if you're going to look at relationships between female directors and their stars it's like Aaron Taylor Johnson yeah and like his now wife is yep. like was directed him when he was like seventeen, and now yep. they're married. So yep. I think that's Sam a lot more of a conversation than that. I don't think it's the fact that that is the issue. I feel like it's the Florence Pugh of it all. And the what's his face before Harry? What's your man's name? Who was meant to be in this before Harry from Transformers? 
Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. I th- it would be a lot better if Shia was Shia LaBeouf. And I'm not going to Really? Is, it, yeah. is Harry the problem? Is he not no, a great he, actor? Okay, so Harry Styles is... Like, when I saw Dunkirk, I remember thinking he was the best actor in it. But he doesn't and do a lot in Dunkirk. No, he doesn't, but... I don't think he's a main character no. role. Like he's at at like realistically, he's still the lad from One Direction. Do you yeah, mean like true. he's still at first a pop like a a musician, and in in smaller roles, sure he can be great. Like in uh, he's gonna be in he's like in the end post credit scene of the Eternals. He's gonna be okay. like Thanos's brother in MCU. Uh-huh. Whatever that's gonna be, do you know. Yeah. But I feel like this where it's a serious role. You just see the fella that sings watermelon sugar, like you know, and it's just, it, Hi. yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I, I kind of would think watermelon sugar would add as something if he sang it during it, like you know. Okay. But I, I like Florence Pugh is fantastic in it, which I feel like it's overlooked and everything. Okay, like, and and then just tell us about the other couple. So, for example, who is Olivia Wilde's husband in that? She, is that Chris Pine? No, it's Nick Kroll. Okay, Nick Kroll. Yeah. So then Chris Pine and Gemma Chan are Gemma Chan. Chan. Like, so so okay. Chris Pine's kind of in charge of the victory. And then we have people. smaller roles as well. So smaller roles of couples in there too. I saw. Yeah, there is there is a few, but it's kind of centered around the kind of main three couples. It's, okay. it's like it's essentially. Florence Pugh and Harry Styles' story and Olivia Wilde then is like Florence Pugh's friend so it's called a psychological thriller which is what I would call something like Get Out and it has the kind of eerie quietness of a movie like Get Out but obviously it doesn't have as much clout as something like that it just it just I feel like it's I feel like it, what it is, is, do you know the way when Grown Ups comes out and everyone's like oh it's Adam Sandler getting his friends together and uh-huh. they're making the movie uh-huh. it's that but they tried to make a get out, if that makes sense, okay. rather than and just like a stupid really family comedy. And they turned out not to be friends. Yeah, but yeah. it's just, it was just so much drama. And were the parts that you liked? They, like the, the first, like, I'd say third of it, I was actually getting into like the whole 1950s thing. It's not really something you see kind of mm-hmm. now. So it was like an interesting, different way. And Florence Pugh, like, ha- like fantastic. Like you could watch her all day. Yeah, like, you know. Amazing. So it, her doing anything, you're, you're happily doing it. But when, when twists start happening, and everything kind of starts crumbling. You're kind of like, this is not kind of sloppy, like you know. Okay, um, t- talk to me about Olivia Wilde, um, a brilliant actress, I think. Yeah. I haven't seen Booksmart, but it is on my list to see yeah, because so many people talk about it. So she's uh, she's just a, a good filmmaker. Yeah, she is. To be fair, like like well, Booksmart is. I've I've said it before. Is one of the ones that I just absolutely love. Mm. But it's. It's like it's not really a massive like the filmmaking is fine. Do you mean it's it's not like there's well, like it a also bad looks shot. Like she's going down the cinema, you know, the cinematic route as well. That yeah. we're meant to, you like, know. There are some great shots there. Mm. Like it's it it feels like you feel like you're part of the the actual like setting, but you never. It's 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 when it gets crazy when someone like George and Peel like like forget it, get out for example comes into his own and like. Can balance the the thriller with the comedy with mm. the with like the the you're terrified kind of like you know yeah. that's where it kind of falls flat because you're never terrified terrified you were never yeah. terrified you're you're never like more than okay this is a would I be terrified it, though I don't think you oh, would okay be. all right that no. says a lot this like this it's 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 psychological but I wouldn't say it's like a psychological drama really and did you ever have that with all the twists and turns and ah moment. Like, were you satisfied by the twists? It, I feel like watch after watching something like Black Mirror, um, it's it's it needs to up the calibre, honestly. Okay, like, and did you see the twists coming? I didn't see what the twist would be, but like it's it's when the big when big secrets get revealed, yeah, you're like, okay, that's interesting, but then what they do with it isn't. Okay. Do you know what I mean, so it's like 
from like just over halfway through you realize like all the things that are going weird and then you find out what they are okay and you're like okay so what wh- okay so how has this been how has this happened like you mean okay it's yeah it's You've been jaded. You're a jaded young man, yeah, I young was, movie reviewer. I was excited for it and I don't and know. And it just did nothing for you. Okay. It's really hard to talk about these sort of movies when there's so many twists and turns. You can't say anything. You can't say anything. But uh, I have to say, like, because I did, I saw it in Venice, you know how it is. Oh, like, of course you know? it is. Uh, but like, it is one of those things that after, whenever the film happens, like, you can always, people like applaud at the end of it, oh, regardless. Are you the one that continued the 10 minute applause no, then in Venice? Well, no, see, they, they weren't there. We oh, don't you worry about that, do that. But it's it's always mad because when a film isn't great, you can feel it in the applause. Oh, I mean, yes. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah, they got a lot of applause, but it was very much. Well, I think it's when, when, get out of here. when they were there, they get the applause. Because ah, like, okay. it's still Harry Styles and Florence Pugh yeah. and Chris Pine, what you mean, and all of them. So, yeah. But uh, there is like, there's better movies like Athena that I saw at Venice as well. Is on I saw it on Netflix now. Okay. It's like my second favorite movie that I saw there. Like, you oh, know? Okay. So it was just fantastic. So I would recommend that. And like Blonde was at Venice as well. And I just, I've watched like, Two hours out of the three of that so okay. far. All right. And it's not. So not where good. would where would don't worry, darling, come on that list numbers wise? Um, well, probably better than Blonde. Blonde was not great, but oh. um, yeah, I'd I'd say like a six out of a ten. Like it's it's Florence Pugh is carrying mm. really. Um, Harry Styles, I feel like he's he's just there because he's Harry Styles, realistic, isn't yeah. it? It's just, it's a stunt casting essentially, and <laughs> poor Harry. <laughs> but like, if they had just had more fun, like it, I've no problem with people getting together with their group of friends and making a movie. Like I love grown ups. I love things that are just mm. like their group of friends that they've always had making. Hundred percent, you do that. Like they yeah. probably made it during go COVID. Girl. Yeah, go for it. But trying to make something too crazy, you need to back it up, and they just don't. Do okay. you mean? So, uh, out of the ten movies you said you saw, you probably give it oh. a six. Are we yeah, giving gi- it a six, Black Puddings wise? I give it a six, Black Puddings. No, I'd say, yeah, it was, it was not. It was probably the the second worst movie I saw in Venice. To be fair. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, six, I'm pretty jaded today. You are pretty that, jaded. Yeah. You're a cynical man. Um, <laughs> six Black Puddings. You knew that. Yeah. Six Black Puddings out of ten for Don't Worry, Darling. It was out in cinemas now. Enjoy. Thank you very much, Brian. No bother at all. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103.